Pietro Vercovard was a formidable defender with Roma, Sampdoria and the Italian national team. He was a teammate of Carlo Ancelotti in Roma's Serie A winning team in 1982-83 and again with Italy at two World Cups. Vercovard and Ancelotti formed a strong bond and the centre-back is certain that Italy's fate at their own World Cup in 1990 would have been different had the pair not been left unused on the bench for a semi-final defeat against Argentina. Pietro, going back to when you very first got to know Carlo, because you made your Italy debuts together in a game against Holland in 1981, and Carlo scored in the game as well, didn't he? Yeah, so in fact, um, it was the first call-up for both of us. Um, and uh, I was called up for my club, which was Como at the time. He was playing for Parma, and it was kind of like a pre-World Cup tournament in Uruguay. And uh, I have to tell you, I had a good opportunity to score, but I missed. Whereas he had an opportunity to score, and he and he did. The game finished one all, and let's say it was like it elevated us into the squad, you know, on the basis of that performance. And that was where the start of our national career was began. That's where our career national team began. First impressions of Carlo, both as a person in the dressing room and as a player. Prima di tutto, lo conoscevo già da prima perché quando Well, we actually already knew one another because um, at the earlier on in our careers, we both played in Serie C, which is Serie C, the third division in Italy. I played for Como, we won the league, and he played for Parma, and they finished second, so we both got promoted playing for separate teams. And in fact, in Italy at the time, Serie C had its own national team. So like we had the Italy national Serie C team, and uh, we both played in it. And it was obvious that we were both very promising young players coming up through the ranks. Um, he had lots of qualities, um, extremely gifted um, technically as an individual, and he basically was the person who organised the midfield. Was he somebody as well you got on with as a person? Yeah, I mean, he's a, he's a really nice guy. Um, obviously, I'd already met him before, and as I said, and then I had the opportunity to get to know him even better um, when I went to um, Roma in the 82-83 season. Um, he'd already been there for a couple of years, and um, he um, was just making his comeback from his uh, cruciate ligament injury. Um, and he had a fantastic recovery, and we played a really good season that year. 
you said he was somebody who organised the midfield. Was he then already at that age? You were both 23 when you were at Roma. Was he already developing into somebody who was a leader? And what sort of a leader was he? Was he did he lead by example or was he a big talker? Well, no, he certainly wasn't a shouter as such. That, that isn't true. Well, you have to bear in mind that at the time in that Roma team, he had a huge advantage because he was playing alongside Falcao. So he learned a huge amount from Falcao. But also, he was like an ideal foil for Falcao because he would break up the opposition attacks. He'd win the ball. He'd take the ball forward. Technically, he was very good. Tactically, he was very good. A great midfielder. And the huge advantage that he had was that he could score goals as well. He sounds like he was a very influential player in that team. Then you, you had some excellent players. You mentioned Falcao, you had Roberto Pruzzo, Bruno Conti. You were Italy's footballer of the year in 1982-83. But Carlo was one of the main figures in that team, was he? Oh, yeah, sure. I mean, he was more than worth his place in the team. And um, I think you have to bear in mind that he, he gave a huge uh, deal, a huge, made a huge contribution to the team because um, the previous year, as you probably know, um, Juventus um, just um, edged Roma out the, the uh, title and um, it's something so many people remember. And, um, of course, he had picked up this really bad injury. It was um, Christian Lingon injury. We weren't sure. No one knew at the time whether we'd be able to come back and come back the way he did um, and played a wonderful season and had a huge influence on the team that year. Your manager was Niels Liedholm and Carlo has spoken very highly of Niels. He thinks he's one of the best managers he played for. Do you see any similarities in the way Carlo manages with how Niels was manager of Roma? Well, yeah, don't get me wrong. I mean, um, Liedholm was very good, but Carlo was even better. I mean, Carlo was, um, he's basically um, won more than um, Liedholm. And um, I was quite fortunate because he even coached me um, because he was assistant to Arrigo Sacchi in the national team um, in 93-94. And in fact, I remember him knocking on my hotel door at the time and um, my bedroom door and he said to me, do you, do you feel that you'll be capable of carrying on and going to the United States to play in the World Cup in 94? And I have to say that at, at the time I said, um, no, no, because, you know, I've been to three World Cups and I just don't want to do it anymore. Um, but the fact of the matter is that he started very early on as a manager, uh, as a coach, um, and he's obviously very, very good. I mean, he's won everything everywhere he's been, so he's a wonderful manager. I was going to ask you about that 94 World Cup, actually, and whether Carlo did try to persuade you to go. But what, were your, what was your experience of working under him then? I mean, you're the same age, aren't you? You're, well, you're two months older than Carlo. So how was it when you've been a teammate working under Carlo as an assistant to Arrigo Sacchi? Ancelotti di Lidon... Um, well, earlier we were talking about um, Liedholm and I think one of the things that um, Carlo learnt from him was his kind of like approach to the game, approach to the players in particular. So Liedholm, um, he never would lose his temper, never lost his temper, never an angry word, but he'd choose the right word so that you would know exactly what you should be doing. And if you didn't do what you should be doing, you'd pay the price for it. And I think that 
that's something that Carlo has learned. Um, and throughout his career, I've always like watched him from afar or from close up. And he doesn't tend to raise his voice. He doesn't tend to get over angry about anything. But people know what he wants. I think, and he makes that clear. Esagerare nelle sue dichiarazioni o nelle sue parole. Was he like that as a player? You say he learned it under Lippo to take into his managerial career. But when Carlo was a player, did he ever lose his temper then? Yeah, I mean, I have to say quite sincerely that all of the time that I knew him when we played together, um, whether it be at Roma or when we played together in the national team, I never saw him get really angry, never saw him get really upset, never went off the rails. I mean, so yeah, perhaps it wasn't just something he learned, but it was part of his character as well. The first tournament you went to with Carlo was the 1986 World Cup and again Carlo has said since then that he didn't enjoy that experience because of Enzo Bierzo, the manager, his training regime at altitude in Mexico was very difficult. So again was that something Carlo kept to himself when you were in Mexico or did he speak to you about it or was he open about it? No, se lo teneva per sé, però um, no, I mean, he, he kept it for himself. I mean, I wouldn't say it was really necessarily the training. I think the frustration was more that um, we just didn't have a very good team in 86. You have to bear in mind that a lot of the players in 86 were the older players, the players who still had won the World Cup in 82, but obviously they were on um, they were on the wane. I mean, they were getting older. So it was more to do with that, that we just, we had a pretty modest team, I think, probably the best way to put it. You didn't have a modest team in 1990, though. You had an excellent team for your home World Cup. And you and Carlo were two of the senior players in that squad. So did you both take on the role as leaders in that squad for the home World Cup? And I know Carlo, again, his appearances were limited by injury. Um, well, to be honest with you, I didn't play that much either in that team. But yes, it, it was a great group, a great group of, of, of players. We were very united. We had a lot of unity amongst us. And to be honest with you, the, the real mistake I think that the manager made in the semi-final against Argentina was that we were winning 1-0, 30 minutes to go, and he should have made two changes. Wait for it. First change should have been Carlo, and the second change should have been me, and I could have marked uh, Maradona because that's what I always did. Um, during uh, our um, Serie A games. Um, instead, he made two completely different changes and we all know what ended up happening. Maradona's passing, quite astute. Now Maradona again, he's becoming pretty influential here. He's made a run into the box this time. Canisius there with the back header, and it's a goal! Argentina are level. Italy have conceded their first goal of the World Cup. Aldo Serena, he's got to score this, otherwise Italy are out. And he doesn't, and it's all over. The host nation's dream of reaching the World Cup final ends. You could weep for them. Naples is awash and drowning in tears of disappointment. You said you followed Carlo's career as a, as a manager. Have you stayed in touch with him as well? And you've had managerial jobs yourself, so did you ever have contact with him for advice? 
No, non ho chiesto consigli a Carlo. Lui ha allenato grandi squadre. The only contact I have with him now is that one of the guys who's um, in uh, the backroom staff um, was in my backroom staff when I was managing in Hungary at Honved. So I speak to that guy quite often and so he tells me about what's going on with Cardlo. Um, but no, I've never really asked him for advice. I mean, the fact of the matter is he's always coached really big clubs, whereas I've coached really small, modest clubs. And then the other difference is that I think because he's more like Lidholm, he's very calm, um, he takes things steady and easy, whereas I'm completely the opposite. I'm more of a kind of like a sanguine character, very like outgoing and... Um, Probably not the right character to be a football manager. Could I just ask, you said earlier about the extent of Carlo's success and how you think the way he handles players is a big part of that. But has his success as a manager surprised you? And what do you think the biggest reason he's done so well? No, because he's presto. Um, not really. I'm not surprised because if you think about it, he finished very early as a player and then he became Saki's assistant almost straight away. So you can imagine that he learned his trade under Saki. Um, he had plenty of time to learn his trade and then he was able to go out and um, apply his experience. So no, I'm not surprised really. And how is Carlo viewed in Italy? Obviously, he's exceptionally popular at Milan, where you work now, but across the whole country, how is he viewed? No, the fact he's not just liked in Milan, he's liked everywhere in Italy. I mean, because, you know, why wouldn't you like him? You know, he's a guy, everywhere he's gone, he's, won, he's done well. He's a nice, calm guy. Um, yeah, everyone likes him because he's, you know, who wouldn't like him? I think really, that's the answer to that one. Why wouldn't you like him? You've been listening to Knowing Carlo, an official Everton podcast series. Download all episodes now via your preferred podcast app.